Welcome to Waterford Community Church. We're about three things, experiencing God. We want to engage our community and we want to excel in mission. If you are new here, we have a QR code that you can grab with your phone. Uh, that's the best way to, to connect with us. It takes you to the website. And uh, we'd like to hear from you and we'd like to uh, communicate with you. So, yeah, go ahead. If you're new here, hit that QR code. Just a couple announcements. That just, I recognize this is the time. I mean, you guys made it this morning, right? You made it. It's the time change. Good job. And it's snowing. So my anecdote for this morning is I get up, and, man, I'm just not feeling right. You know, something's off. Like, maybe I'm coming down with some, I don't know. And I get here, and we're setting up, and, and it's a little bit before we're to start practice, about 10 till 9. And somebody's like, I think it was Mark, he's like, well, today's a time change. I had totally forgot it was a time change, but luckily my phone um, and my wife both still work, um, <laughs> and so and so and so I made it on time. Uh, but just a couple quick announcements. Uh, so the international um, internationals gym event is today from four to six with Connect the Nation. So if you're interested in being part of that, uh, just connect with Brent. Uh, Mafia night, which is for the senior high. Um, and if you've been involved in senior high, you know what Mafia Night is. And if you haven't, then <laughs> I guess that could sound really weird. But uh, so that's March 25th at 6:30 for the senior hires. Also, ladies uh, have a women's spring swap March 26th, um, and there's lunch involved in that as well. It says a light lunch uh, of pasta. So that's kind of an oxymoron, light lunch pasta. But anyway, and there'll be dessert. That sounds fantastic. Uh, also, coming up uh, in April, April 13th, and this is a Wednesday night. This is a special event for kids and families. There's like an interactive uh, Easter thing that's going to be happening. I really don't know much more than that, except that you're going to want to uh, come and check it out. So that's the announcements. And did anyone nod off? We good? Okay. So Brent had asked when he started this series, the ancient paths. He's like, it would be kind of cool if maybe we did something that was like, like chant, like a Gorian chant or something. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. Uh, but I've got this. So uh, we're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer today. And um, this is a version of the Lord's Prayer written by John Michael Talbot. So see what happens. Our Father who art in heaven Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now Just say the Lord's Prayer with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. So we're going to dive into the Lord's Prayer here as we get started, looking at the ancient paths and looking at some of the ancient paths of prayer. So I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, is where we're going to be reading today. Now I'd just like to start by asking you this. If any of these conditions that I'm about to describe would fit you, maybe you feel stuck in your journey with Christ. Maybe it's been a while and you feel like you're just living off of the spirituality of other people. Maybe you feel scattered or fragmented or, or uncentered in your faith. Maybe you're just tired, whether that's physically or spiritually or emotionally. Maybe you're just existing right now with a spirituality that's about an inch deep, and that's it. Maybe you're praying and communing with God very little. Maybe you're busy and got so many things going on in life that you're really not even focused on God or pursuing Jesus, and you can't really slow down this life on the run. It's just going so, so fast, and the result of all of this is that we have these relationships with Jesus that are severely underdeveloped. If we talk about arrested development, maybe for you it feels like arrested spiritual development. We have this thing where we talk to God and we talk at God, but we don't ever really talk with God. And we never really listen. Not very much goes on by way of reciprocity. It's a lot of us just going this way and not much of us listening to what God has to say. It feels pretty one way. So what do we do? This morning we're going to take you back to the ancient paths again, and we're going to look at some of the practices of church history that revolve around prayer. And so we're going to talk about three different people, we're going to talk about three different practices, and we're also going to look at the Lord's Prayer here, and we're going to discover as we go this morning, there's a lot more to prayer than just this idea of asking God for things which is where we typically and often go, do you pray? Yes, I've asked God for, and we have our list that we, we go through. And so we want to look at this uh, Lord's Prayer today. We just said it, Chris just sang it, and uh, we probably won't be doing that again. But anyhow, it was an interesting way to start the service, wasn't it? And uh, the Lord's Prayer is found in two places, Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. And Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going today, and it's part of the Lord's Prayer. Not, I'm sorry, it is Lord's Prayer. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount and is where we find that. But I want to look at this because if I described you earlier as like the Christian life is kind of like eh, just not working quite right for you right now, I think this is one of the ways that we can kind of get our, our wheels turning again and where we can work at this prayer thing a little bit because if we're honest, most of us are not very good at prayer. In fact, if we took a, a, you know, a closed survey here this morning and said, how many are great at prayer, you know, everybody's, nobody's looking or whatever, I think if we're honest, most of us would say, that's me. I, I don't take the time to pray, or sometimes I don't know what to pray, and when I do pray, I'm so distracted, I can't keep my mind on what I'm talking about, and I use a list, but that list just becomes very mechanical, and, and besides, I don't see much prayer answered, and, and prayer really isn't a strength to me, and that's unfortunate. Because I think in this 
topic of prayer, this idea of prayer, there's a lot there that we're missing because we don't fully understand what prayer is. And that's what we want to do this morning is we want to explore this idea of prayer. And I want to give you just a simple definition of what prayer is. Prayer is having a friendship with God. Prayer is having a friendship with God. And most of us would not uh, refer to prayer in that way, but that's what we want to, to do this morning. So I'm going to ask you to make some shifts in your thinking when it comes to prayer. And so this is what we typically think about prayer, and, and we're going to make a shift and say, maybe we need to look at it this way. About prayer in general, and, and even a couple of ways about the, the Lord's Prayer itself. And so to do that, we're going to dive in here to the Lord's Prayer. Let me just start, though, by looking at Luke chapter 11. Verse number 1, this is the other place where the Lord's Prayer is found in Scripture. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so when Jesus gives this Lord's Prayer, it's given as instruction. In fact, some people don't refer to this as the Lord's Prayer. They refer to it as the model prayer because it's, it's meant to be teaching for us when it comes to prayer. So if you're in Matthew chapter 6, where verse number 5 is where we're going to start. And Jesus said, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. And who are the hypocrites? It was the religious leaders of that day. But hypocrites, the, the literal term for the word, was somebody who plays a part up on the stage. And so if you've been to a play or a drama or a musical, the actors there, they're not themselves. They're playing the part that they've been assigned. And so this is what Jesus is saying. Don't be like the hypocrites who use prayer to make them look like something that they're not. So they use prayer to look spiritual even though they are not. In fact, he says this here, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But in contrast here, instead of being like those people who use prayer to look good, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And it's interesting to me that twice the word reward is used there, but I don't think this is talking about the fact that God will answer your prayers. He's saying that when you will make prayer a part of your life in this way, you're going to be enjoying some rewards from that. But he goes on, he says, when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. I like how the King James actually says that verse. When you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. One of the interesting things about the Lord's Prayer is how brief it is, actually. But he says in verse number 8, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Think about that for a minute. The Father knows what you need before you ask him. That would seem to me to indicate that the real reason to pray is not to ask God for things. Because he already knows what you need. So there must be another reason or there must be more to it when we get to prayer. And he goes on, he says, this is how then you should pray. And he says, this is how you should pray, not what you should pray. And I think it's meant to be more categorical than specific. So he's not trying to give us words to pray. He's saying, here's the topics or, or here's the elements of prayer that you need to include. And so let's read through that. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Our prayers should include praise and adoration and worship. Why? Well, because it helps us to experience God. And in that moment, we're talking about God's greatness. We are in that moment with him. It gives us perspective. It builds our faith in this God that we're talking to. Whatever our needs are, he's more than able to handle them. He goes on, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the element of surrender. I like what some person, one person has said, prayer is not about getting our will done in heaven. It's about getting God's will done on earth. And it's a reminder that as we pray who God is, who we are, and that our hearts need to be, God, whatever you want for me, that's what I want as well. Verse number 11, he says, finally, give us this day our daily bread, and we get to petition here and request. And this is where most of us are good at prayer and asking for things, and we're invited to ask, actually. But it also teaches us that prayer should be a daily thing. If we're asking for daily bread... This needs to be something that goes on every day in our lives, not just something that we do communally on Sunday. Verse number 12, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And this is the element of confession and repentance. Back a few weeks ago, Mark talked about uh, a prayer of confession and how that helps clear the air in our re relationship with God. To make sure there's nothing between us and God but also to make sure that there's nothing between us and other people that might be hindering our relationship with God and our prayers. And so Jesus takes us there as well. And then he finishes with this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this is a prayer or an element of, of spiritual battle and a prayer for deliverance. And so let me just suggest as we look through that this morning, several shifts in our thinking. And then we're going to have an experience where we're going to look at these experiences of prayer, some of these ancient paths, and, and add to that some music and add to that some scripture that I hope will be not just um, informative to you, but it will actually be inspiring for you this morning. But the first thing is this. We need to see prayer as an opportunity and not as an obligation. We need to see prayer as an opportunity and not as an obligation. Sometimes I think that's where we come to church and we're told that we're supposed to pray and we start to feel guilty about it. It's like, oh, yeah, I really should do that. And or sometimes somebody says, hey, you know what, if you pray, God answers prayer. You're like, oh, that's an encouragement. Maybe I could get this prayer answer. But we have the tendency to say this is something that I have to do. And rather than saying this is something that I get to do. It's like, it's like if you say, well, you have to take your wife out on Friday night or do you get to take your wife out on Friday night. There's a huge difference in those two things. And we'd like to move prayer from here to here. We say, look at this opportunity that we have to have a conversation with the God of the universe. And that's the second shift that we see. We need to see prayer as conversation and not as monologue. For most of us, when we pray, the only person talking is us. And if we're completely honest, we don't really ever hear much from God. And a lot of what we're going to be talking about here in these practices this morning are ways that we can actually hear from God and give you some ideas in that. But it's meant to be a conversation, a dialogue, where two friends sit at the table. And I don't mean to, to trivialize God, but it's that relationship where you sit and talk with each other. Third shift here is we need to see prayer as a relationship and not just as a request line. And yes, we are told to offer our request to God, but it's about a whole lot more than that. And you know that even, you know, if you have kids in your relationship with your kids, if they're just asking for you constantly, 
If that's the only relationship you have, you don't have much of a relationship. It can be part of it, but it needs to be so much more than that. And then the fourth shift in thinking here, just on prayer in general, is we need to see prayer as formative and not just perfunctory. In other words, I don't just do this because this is my, my Christian duty to do or, or what good Christians do. I pray, and I don't even just pray so that I can get prayers answered. I pray because it will change who I am. And that's really the, the whole thrust of this ancient past series is that God wants to change who we are. And spiritual practices can help do that. Now, spiritual practices do not make us spiritual but spiritual practices hopefully open us up to the place where God can work and where God can transform us. And so it becomes formative and not just perfunctory. And then as we look at the Lord's Prayer in specific, two shifts in your thinking here too. We need to see this prayer as personal more than corporate. And generally, the Lord's Prayer is something that we all pray together and we already did this morning and and we do this sometimes at weddings and funerals in different places, different churches, different times. But the Lord's Prayer was not given and it was not meant to be used corporately. Because if you look back, it says when you pray in your closet, this is how you should pray. And so the Lord's Prayer is meant to be more of a personal thing than a corporate thing. Because the Lord's Prayer, and this is the last shift, the Lord's Prayer is meant to be more of a template than it is to be a script. And so what Jesus says here is to pray, these are the categories, the categories of worship, the categories of surrender, the categories of petition. You pray these categories, but you pray into your own situation. And so as we go through our service here this morning and introduce some of these different elements of prayer, my hope is that you will start to see what these shifts are about and experience them for yourself. So we're going to ask Mark to come and the worship team to come back up, and we're going to go through a prayer service this morning. To begin, we're going to begin with this, uh, returning to this uh, idea of prayers of confession. We had this time a couple weeks ago, and as we uh, gather together, and again, we want to include this as we begin our time of seeking the Lord, coming before Him, um, and uh, seeking Him in prayer. And so today, um, we're going to begin with prayers of confession, to confess sins that the Spirit of God may be bringing on. And this may be a time right now where you, silent and before the Lord, just say, Lord, is there something that I need to get right with you? It's kind of clearing the air again. And, but also, it's... It's a time of, of confession of spiritual need. Maybe there's something in your heart. Lord, I need you to touch me. I need you to, Lord, have your hand, the spirit move right now and bring healing into my, in my life. But also the area of the need to worship God. You know, God calls us to lift him up and to worship him not only in this place but throughout our everyday life. And so, Lord, it may be, Lord, teach me to worship you. And so we want to just give you just a, a time of silence before the Lord to go and express prayers of confession. Let's pray.
Lord, we come before you thankful that you are a God who takes us right where they're at. And as we pour our hearts to you, Lord, you meet us in our place of need. And you speak into our hearts. And Lord, uh, daily we need to be in this time of confession of seeking you and knowing that, Lord, uh, we, we need to walk in righteousness and holiness daily. And so let this practice here that we are just taking a taste of, let it, Lord, just speak into our heart and our life, I pray, God, I ask. I'd like to move into this next area of, of, of um, um, lament, prayers of lament. And I'd just like to share some thoughts here in regards to this whole aspect, if we move out of this whole aspect of confession and move into this aspect of lamenting. Prayers of lament are prayers that ultimately is getting honest with God. It's, it, it might be even, say, God, I don't understand. Even, there might be, boy, I'm frustrated. I'm, there's anger in my soul. There's uh, Lord, there's heartache here. What do you do with that? Well, that's where prayers of lament come in. When we, we pray prayers of lament, God does something as we pour out our heart. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Psalm 62, where it, it, it's just, it's there early in, in the verses. David is just crying out to God and saying, Lord, how long will you let them topple this man? How long, God, will you let this go on? How long? And then he turns to God, and there's something that moves as he pours out his heart to God. And he says, find rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. He, he is my hope. He is my salvation. And so to pray prayers of, of lament is to come to God with who we are and what's on our hearts. It's to come to God honestly, mourning the things that are going on in this world, mourning the fact that things are not as God has created them to be. It's to mourn the destruction that sin has brought into our world, has brought in even into our own lives. To lament is to grieve and to open our, ourselves up emotionally to God, to share not our, just our requests, but our hearts, our brokenness, our sinfulness, our need, our need for God to work in our midst. So often uh, we don't know what it means to grieve well. I think we're always to, you know, put on that happy face. Everything's okay. It's okay. But it's not. To lament is to, is a, it's this divine, it's this divine invitation to pour out our fears, again, our frustrations. To lament is to invite God to, to, uh, to, to, to turn our hearts to God, invites God to turn us, to change us. And lament is to encourage us to vocalize Lament is to help us grieve our losses. Lament is to allow us to seek relief and, and restoration. Lament ultimately reminds us to trust God and what's going on. So in this time, I like us to pray 
a prayer. I like, in fact, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer of lament on, on behalf of us as a church. And we're going to put it up on the screen. You're, you're welcome to, to, uh, to, to follow along as I, I pray this prayer of lament or just to close your eyes and, and listen as I pray on our behalf. Lord, we desire peace and blessing. But so many times we experience pain and loss. Lord, we desire the light of your face and the warmth of your voice, but we often wonder in the silent dark. It was not how you created us or this world, it, and it will not always be this way, but it is our reality for now, and Lord, we grieve. We lament our own heartaches, but we also lament the heartaches of others. Lord, as we watch a war from afar, but our hearts are entangled with your brothers and sisters, here at home, Lord, we see division and poverty and fear and we mourn. Help us instead to lean into you and trust you, God. Even when we do not understand your ways, please keep our heads above the waters in anguish and our feet from slipping off the ground of truth. Help us see you in these hard moments and yet glorify you as the psalmist did. Yet will I find rest. Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand with us? Just say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I come, I confess. Lord, I come, I confess. I find my 
was a monk who lived in the 1600s. When he joined the monastery, he was relegated to the kitchen where he was responsible for preparing meals and washing dishes and really doing what was considered the bottom-rung duties at the monastery. He did that day after day, week after week, actually year after year until his health got to the place where he couldn't do that anymore. So they gave him the other really lowly job of the monastery and he became the sandal maker for the other monks. But his brother Lawrence, who in the process of this humble routine, discovered what he called common business. And common business was the mundane in the routine of life, the things that you do over and over again, the thankless things that nobody notices. But he discovered that that's where God was. He said this, it's not needful that we should have great things to do. We can do little things for God. I can turn the cake that is frying in the pan for the love of God. And when I have done that, if there's nothing else to call me, I can bow myself in worship before him who has given me grace to work. And afterwards, I'll rise happier than a king. It's enough for me to pick up straw from the ground if I can do it in love for God. Brother Lawrence retreated to a place in his heart where the love of God made every detail of his life of surpassing value. He said this, I began to live as if there were no one else besides God and me in the world. And so together, God and Brother Lawrence washed pots and made sandals and ran errands and cooked meals. But he included God in everything that he did. And for us, we have compartments where we put God. Maybe the first 15 minutes of the day or maybe the one minute before you eat your lunch or maybe it's when you come on Sunday mornings. But do we take God out of those compartments and let him be a part of our entire day? And Brother Lawrence devised, I guess we would say, what he called the practice of the presence of God. And the practice of the presence of God is simply this, that we go through our days 
fully aware of the fact that God is with us in each and every moment, and then taking each and every moment and committing that to God or having conversations about that to God. It looks like this. So if you're embarking on your daily chores, you keep God in the forefront of your mind. If you're watching your children, well, you keep God in the forefront of your mind while you do that. If you're studying for a test, you keep God's presence in the forefront of your mind. If you're watching TV, you keep God's presence in the forefront of your mind. If you're working at the office, you keep God's presence in the forefront of your mind. And you commit those things to him, and you have conversations with him. Sounds very simple, doesn't it? And yet it's extremely challenging because we get so distracted and so into the other things that are going on in our lives. But it's simply this. It's reminding ourselves of the fact that I am with God in this moment, and he is with me in this moment. And it's this spiritual conversation that goes on all day long. And I hope this morning that you'll experience that in the service. But I hope that you'll take it from the service is something you can try, practicing the presence of God. So I'm going to have you read along with me here for our prayer of praise and adoration. And this is from Psalm 145. Let's read together. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Why don't you stand as we sing? Shout of acclamation and leave me. 
seated. As we continue down the ancient paths here this morning and talk about some of these prayer things, the next person we talk about is a guy by the name of Benedict. Benedict was one of the early church fathers. In fact, he lived back from 480 to 547 A.D., so we're going back almost 1,500 years ago. But he developed what is known as the daily office. And the daily office, used that word office a little different from what we would, it came from the Latin word opus, which means work. And so Benedict considered his daily work, and his daily work was whatever was spiritual. And so that was the most important part of every day is that you did your daily work and that you made all of your time sacred. But to help with that, he developed a practice of setting, the, uh, of setting hours in the day where you would stop and where you would pray and where you would recenter. Now, this was not unique or new to Benedict. In fact, you can go back into the scriptures. If you go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, it tells us that we're supposed to be talking about the spiritual when we sit down and when we rise up and when we, when we eat and when we lie down. And so that's a pattern we see in Scripture. David talked about in the Psalms seven times a day, stopping to praise God. Daniel, if you recall, his habit was to do what? Three times a day to throw open the windows and to pray. And even if you see the apostles in the book of Acts, they were going to the temple at certain times to pray. And so the daily office was this idea that there were set times during the day when every work would stop and you would go to pray. In fact, there were eight times during the day that they would stop and they would go to prayer. And one of those times actually was in the middle of the night. And so while you were sleeping, you would be awakened for prayer time so that you could be reminded of the fact that all of work is God's work. And it was the idea was to build a spiritual rhythm for daily life. Now in 1549, about a thousand years later, they decided to reduce this from eight times a day down to two times a day. Makes it a little bit simpler. And it's to do this at morning and evening, or actually some people say to do this at morning and at noontime. But the idea is to stop and to get re-centered. And there's various versions of this out there now, uh, what, what you would call um, the daily office. Uh, one of them's built around the Book of Common Prayers. But there's a guy by the name of Peter Scazzaro who wrote a book. It's called Day by Day. He didn't really write this book. It's a collection of daily offices. And you have one of these in your bulletin. So if you got your bulletin and you would pull that out and let you take a look at that here this morning, we're not going to take time to go through this. I am going to encourage you to take time sometime this afternoon to go through this. But you start this, and it doesn't say this on your, on your paper there, but you start this with a time of Slowing down and being quiet and being still in preparation. Where we're like, we in our culture, we just dive into things. The idea here is that you step back to start with. And that you take a moment to pause and to kind of take a deep breath and get your thoughts centered on God. And then it starts with a scripture reading. And this one here is a scripture reading of of, uh, Judas, and uh, when he comes in and has Jesus arrested, but there's a devotional here too that I think is so good, just as far as, as stepping back from what our agenda is and accepting God's. And then there's a time of reflection, 
And then it finishes with a time of prayer. And the idea here is not to rush through this and to check it off that you've done it. But the idea here is to walk through this slowly and to let God speak to you. And this is just one of two that you would do during the day. Now, if you're interested in this on the YouVersion um, copy there that we follow along, or on the website, there is a button you can click and, and that gives you a form. You can fill out, send us your email address, and we'll send you samples of these. You'll get two per day. So the idea is you can do this at morning and at night, or if you want to, you can do this at morning and maybe even during your lunch break, stop and say, you know what, I'm going to recenter here, and I'm going to practice this idea of the daily office. And so I would encourage you, as I said, to, to do this today. But if you'd like, uh, we can get, send you some samples of this and to try this this week of not once a day diving in and doing what we wanted or what we think we should do as devotions, but to do this twice a day where we step back and say, okay, God, help me to get recentered and help me to get refocused here. Mark's going to come and tell us a little bit about the next prayer. Another ancient path is, the, is in regards to prayers of intercession. And I'd like to take us to a passage of scripture from the Apostle Paul as he writes to the church in Ephesus from Ephesians chapter 1. And he says, it really, he kind of helps, uh, he really shares with them what he is doing in regards to interceding on behalf of them, the church at Ephesus. And he says this in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 1. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and is incomparably great power for us who believe. And here what we have in this passage is really an example of what Paul did as he pastored the churches, as he led these, and these communities of faith that where he went around the region, started uh, a church in essence, and then he would pray for them, and he intercedes for them. And Paul here intentionally prayed for others, and specifically he prayed here in this regards for believers to experience, as it says, that, you may, may, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He goes, I pray, that the eyes of your heart would be open, may be enlightened, in order that you may, what, know the hope. You would not just have this idea of hope, but you would know the hope the hope that you have that he's called you to in regards to uh, his great inheritance that we have as, as his saints. And so it's an example really to us on how we are to pray or to intercede for other believers in, in a, uh, and also in an evangelistic way for unbelievers, that we would be intentional. And, and I, I don't know, I, I do make lists in my, in my times of prayer, and I have I have people that I'm praying for, things that God has laid on my heart that I'm writing down and I'm asking God and I'm interceding 
And there are also those times where God will bring someone to your heart and, and mind. And so right now, I, wanna, I want us to take time, a time, of, again, of silent prayer. And I want to encourage you, right now, look around the room. Let's start with this very place, the people sitting in this room, and let's intercede. And maybe as you look around this room, I want you to see, God is, ask God, is there someone here you want me to lift up right now before the Lord in silent prayer? Ask God to, to show you that one person to pray for. And throughout this day and maybe throughout this week, and then um, I want to encourage you after this service to go up to them. And, and maybe, maybe God just laid that person on your heart, but you don't know how to pray. And ask them, hey, is there something, that, God, you want me to be praying for? Um, ask them, is there something that you want me to be praying for you this week for? And, or let them know that you prayed for them in this service. Let's just take a time of silent prayer before the Lord. Lift someone up that's part of the family of God here.
11, 5 through 13. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so we want to just move into a time of prayers of petition. Um, a church father that uh, gives us a great example of this is Luther. He recognized that only God's grace, not good works, could save him. And his courage and commitment to the word literally changed the course of history. And in his writings, we have found the prayers that petition God on behalf of himself and their example to us on how we should petition God to work in our own hearts and on a regular basis. And so today, as we reflect on this aspect of prayers of petition, we like to read in unison together, if you would read with me, this prayer of Luther, uh, a prayer petition. Behold, Lord, an empty vessel that needs to be filled. My Lord, fill it. I am weak in the faith, strengthen me. I am cold in love, warm me and make me fervent that my love may go out to my neighbor. I do not have a strong and firm faith. At times I doubt and am unable to trust you altogether. O oh Lord, help me, strengthen my faith and trust in you. In you I have sealed the treasure of all I have. I am poor, you are rich, and came to be merciful to the poor. I am a sinner, you are upright. With me there is an abundance of sin. In you is the fullness of righteousness. Therefore I will remain with you of whom I can receive, but to whom I may not give. Amen. Okay, we finished this morning by looking at one last of the church fathers, a guy by the name of Ignatius, who lived from 1491 to 1556, and he's one of the well-knowns among, I suppose, the church fathers, but he's most known for a book that he wrote that was about spiritual exercises. And he's really, by many people would consider him to be the go-to guy when it comes to this idea of spiritual formation. But one of his um, exercises that I want to uh, tell you about this morning is called the examine. The examine. 
And it was uh, something that, that he practiced where he paused at noon and at the end of the day to see the work of God in his story. To stop at lunchtime and say, where have I seen God so far in my day? And then to pause at the end of the day and look back and say, where have I seen God? And so I want to uh, encourage us to actually do this this morning as we basically conclude our service by practicing this spiritual ancient path of the examine. And so I'm going to ask you to follow along with me. And I think this is going to feel unusual and unfamiliar, but I don't think it'll be, uh, I, I don't think it'll be anything that, where you feel um, uncomfortable. So the first step here, and I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes and to be still for a moment and to just, as best you can, become aware of the presence of God. And it might be that you just need to pray a simple prayer like, God, you are here, I am with you, you are with me. But it's a moment where you can slow down, maybe even slow down your breathing, and maybe even relax physically. And all of these practices we've talked about this morning, slowing down is really, really key. But then the next step is to give thanks, to review the hours of your day thus far, and to give thanks for every detail. Maybe it's for the warm house that you woke up in. Maybe it's for the breakfast that was available to you. Maybe it was the safe drive and snow. But think through every detail that you can of this morning and take time to thank God for them. And then the next step is to reflect, is to become aware of your emotions in this moment and to give them to God. We are more than just physical people. We are more than just spiritual people. We are emotional, relational, mental. It's the idea of opening up yourself to God and to be honest with him what you're feeling and what you're experiencing and maybe why. And then the next step is to look for God. Where have you seen him so far in your day? How have you experienced him? How has he taught you? What has he taught you? Where has God already been present in your life today? And then the next step is to pray. Pick one thing and just one thing that you'd like to bring to God as a request this morning. And then the last step is to hope. And it's this, to choose to look forward with expectation for the rest of the day, assuming that you will experience God and that you will see God at work in your story. And then when you get to the end of the day, you can go through these steps again. 
to be still, to give thanks, to reflect, to look for God, to pray, and then to hope again. And so, God, as we are bowed in prayer this morning, you are the God who is in us. You are the God who is with us. We have sensed your presence even in this room this morning as we really stop to think and to open up our hearts and open up our minds and to be still and to listen. And I pray that as we go from this place this morning that prayer will be something that we look at a little bit differently, not a duty that we have to do, but a privilege that we have to spend time all day long with the God who's willing to call us friend. And so we commit ourselves and our time to you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the challenge of prayer is to experience God throughout your day, to take time to confess, to lament, to worship, to praise, to intercede for others, to make a request known, but also to offer your heart to God to surrender your will to his will for your life. And so we're going to finish with a song this morning, which is actually a prayer of surrender. Would you stand, please?
present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him. May you go this day thinking about God as you go through the day. Have a great Sunday. God bless you.